who is God. I'm going to read to you this morning as my introduction a passage out of this book called Christian Worldview. It was written by a Dutch theologian whom I love named Herman Bavink. Bavink lived in the 1800s and into the early 1900s. This particular book he wrote in 1904. In 1904. I want you to hear this passage this morning because it indeed speaks to the age that we live in. And I, I think probably lots of ages in the history of the church because there will always be times of light and darkness. Light and darkness. He's writing this in what is termed the modern age, meaning we have arrived, God is no longer needed. Christianity is useless. The convergence of this rejection of Christianity and the inner discord that disturbs us in modern life, life without God, gives occasion to the question whether the two phenomena exist in a causal relation. And this question is urgent when we see that at the demise of the Christian religion, no one can find comfort and everyone is fantasizing about the search for a new religion. Although there are thousands who confess with their mouths that not only Christianity, but all religion is finished, the number of those who call for a new religion, a new dogma, and a new morality increases day by day. The age in which religion's day was thought to have passed flies swiftly by our eyes. The expectation that science, virtue, or art would make religion superfluous is entertained by few. It is precisely the loss of religion that gives rise to the inventors of new religions everywhere and in great numbers. They are built up from the strangest and wildest elements. One goes to the school of Darwin and Heckel, to Nietzsche and Tolstoy, to Hegel and Spinoza, and all of them, they were philosophers and scientists. One sets off on the basis of the histories of religious lands and peoples in order to find what he wants in India and Arabia, in Persia, in Egypt. One borrows from elements, from occultism and theosophy, from spiritism and magic. And everything is then made into an object of religious veneration. Both world and humanity, heroes and geniuses, science and art, state and society, the world of spirits and the power of nature. Each has its own divinity. While it is not only seen like this, religion has become for many a private matter, which they arrange to their own liking. And yet, they all hope to work towards a betterment of religion, toward a new religion yet to come, toward a this-worldly religion and a world religion, 
that can supersede and repair the supernatural and otherworldly Christianity. Why do I read that to you today? Today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit who guards God's church from error. Hear the word of the Lord, brothers and sisters. I read two passages. John 14, verses 15 to 26, and then John 16, verse 4b to verse 15. Hear the word of the Lord. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us? And not to the world. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him. And make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. I'm going to read that one again. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John 16, verse 4b to 15. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes... He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. 
All that the Father has is mine. And therefore I say that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, give light to Thy Word today that is about You. Allow us to, see, to hear and to understand. And in understanding, be made new. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are three essential things that we're going to look at today. The first is the transition of Jesus to heaven. The second is who is the Holy Spirit. And the third is what does the Holy Spirit do? The transition of Jesus to heaven, who is the Holy Spirit, and what does the Holy Spirit do? I want you to see the context of John chapter 14 and 16. This is part of the great discourse of teaching that the Lord Jesus is doing from chapters 13 through 17 with His disciples before He goes to trial and to crucifixion. In chapter 13, he washes the disciples' feet. In chapter 15, he teaches them what it means to be in union with God, with Him. In chapters 14 and 16, Jesus teaches about the Holy Spirit. In chapter 17, he gives the great high priestly prayer where he prays not only for his disciples present, but also for all disciples that will come throughout the ages of time until He returns. Jesus is about to transition back to heaven. But only after paying the ultimate cost that God requires for sin. Jesus will offer His life in chapter 19 as the payment and atonement for your sin and for mine. And do remember, sin is missing the mark of the standard of God's glory. We do it every day. And in chapter 20, Jesus rose from the grave so that you can rise in newness of life for all of eternity through faith and trust in Jesus. Will Jesus prepares His disciples for His departure. Notice there in chapter 14 that the disciples are filled with sorrow. They're sad. Their teacher whom they've watched heal the sick, raise the dead, whom they've listened to teach and preach, whom they've eaten meals with day after day, He explains that He's leaving. Imagine being in the shoes of these disciples. Jesus. We remember Him speaking to a storm. We thought we were going to die. He spoke to the storm. And the wind ceased. And the sea was calm. He fed over 5,000 people. We saw that. He touched lepers. He made time for prostitutes, for tax collectors. 
he made time for the marginalized. He, he loved the outcast, the despised. He, he reached out to the poor with good news, but also with life assistance. He's not going to be with us anymore. Jesus prepares to return to his Father in heaven. But he wants chiefly that these disciples be ready. He wants chiefly that they be ready for life after he departs. These disciples have to be ready because they will continue the ministry Jesus began with them. After he leaves, there is no plan B. They must go forward in what the Lord has taught them. But pay attention to Jesus in John chapter 16, verse 7. He says, it is good for you disciples for Jesus to leave. What? When Jesus leaves, it's going to be a good thing for us? How? What do you mean, Jesus? If you're not with us, how in the world can we keep going? How will we remain focused? What will we do? The helper will come. Father will send him. I will send him. The helper is going to come. It's an advantage for you that the helper come and for Christ to go. Here the Lord means that the helper who is coming is of the utmost significance for these disciples. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of Christ will sweep through the world. Jesus will send the helper. This leads to the second thing today I want us to look at. Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Number one, the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. He's the third person. And you must understand when we use the word person, we're stretching the meaning of that. For he's God. God who was present at the beginning of time, hovering over the face of the deep. The Holy Spirit is God. The Spirit is referred to here in John 14, verses 16 and 17, with personal pronouns. Personal pronouns. He's not an it. If you don't take anything else away from this message today, don't call the Holy Spirit an it, okay? He is the third person in the Trinity. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus wants his disciples to have the Holy Spirit, according to John 14, verse 16. It's good for Christ to leave and the Holy Spirit to come. He's given to the people of God. He's going to do great work to God's people and through God's people. I like to think of him as the secret agent in the room. We don't see him. Oh, but he is present. And oh, he is at work. All-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, God. The Father gives 
And the Son gives the Spirit to God's people. Jesus says the Father will send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, He authenticates. hope that's not too big a word. He authenticates the reality of the Trinity. He is the one who allows you to know God. The Holy Spirit will declare the will of the Father and the Son according to John 16, verses 14 and 15. He will say what they say to say. And it's correct to speak that way too. (laughs) The Nicene Creed says, And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. Where do you get that from? You get that from John 14 and 16. The Father will send the Spirit. Jesus says, I will send the Spirit. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. And with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. Number two, the Holy Spirit is the helper. The comforter, some versions say. The Greek word, forgive me for giving it to you, is parakleton. Parakleton from parakletos. It means one called alongside to help. One who appears in another's behalf. An advocate, a defender, an intercessor. One who gives protection, help. Security. Notice also here, Jesus says, the Spirit is another comforter. (laughs) Meaning here also that Jesus was a helper to the disciples. But He's got to go. And the Spirit's going to come. Number three, the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of what is certain. What is valid. What is reality. What is absolute? What is fact? The Holy Spirit will guide Christ's disciples into all truth because He is the Spirit of truth. He will never lead you into error. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. There are people in the world who want to lead you into error. That's why I read from you from the Christian Worldview book. And they even come into the church. But it is the Spirit of the living God, hallelujah, who leads God's people in the truth. And number four, the Holy Spirit lives with God's people forever. Amen. 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 In John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus promises that the Spirit will be with Christ's disciples forever. In John 14 and verse 23, Jesus promises for those who love Him and love His Word. He says, the Father and I will come to you. And we will make our home with you. God will come and live inside of you is what He's teaching. God will come and live with you. God will be with you always. In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, God dwelt with the people of Israel in the tabernacle. It was, he was demonstrating something to them about a reality that was going to happen in the time of Jesus. Or rather, after Christ 
is born and ascends into heaven, the time of the Spirit. God dwelt with Israel in the tabernacle, in the tent of meeting. But in the New Testament, God comes to live inside of his people. And how does he do that? He does that in the person of the Holy Spirit. I can remember, this is not in here, but I remember vividly when I call it the lights were turned on. I didn't know God like my parents and grandparents knew the Lord. I didn't know this person I couldn't see. And then one day as I was reading, God turned the lights on. That's the best way I can say it. And I could see in my soul what I could not see before. How did that happen? By the Holy Spirit, the secret agent in the room, who is at work. This is why the apostle says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Through the spirit of the living God, people died for their faith. Because God is real. What does the Holy Spirit do? Number three. What does the Holy Spirit do? Number one, the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. I love the word glorify. He glorifies Jesus. Jesus says in John 16 and 14, verse 14, He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. There's a a togetherness at work here. He will do what I want for you. Amen. One of my discipleship discipleship teachers when I was in college, his name was Neil. Neil Gooch was his name. Neil said once we were at at the Sunday school after a conference we had attended, God is on parade before his universe. I'll never forget this. God Almighty is on parade in front of his universe. The Spirit of God is on the first float. And as he comes by, what does he do? He's pointing back to Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. He doesn't make a big to-do about himself. He points, look At Jesus. Jesus is on the next float (laughs) behind the Holy Spirit, as the King James says, the Holy Ghost. And what does Jesus do? Look at the Father. Look at the Father. He loves you. Look at the Father. He sent me for you. And then you see the Father come through. (laughs) He's the next float. And there you see the fullness of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect triunity. And God is supreme. The heavens are telling the glory of God day unto day pours forth speech about God. Night unto night reveals knowledge about God. Amen. The Holy Spirit will enhance the reputation of Jesus. 
He'll make the name of Jesus Christ great. Oh my, can you think through the Bible, through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, all the way through to Revelation, the fact that Jesus creates division in the world is a good thing. Don't let the news tell you it's a bad thing. It is a wonderful thing because he exposes light from darkness. And he makes his kingdom known. And he does that through the person of the Holy Spirit. He will make his name great. The Holy Spirit continues the work of Jesus Christ on a grander worldwide scale. In John verses 14, excuse me, in John chapter 14, verses 25 and 26, Jesus is present with his disciples as helper. And his words, they, they help, they direct, they give light, and they give life. And Jesus, he's speaking these words while he's with his disciples, but he's leaving them physically soon. Number two, this is why the Holy Spirit is important. This is what he does. The Holy Spirit, number two, under what does the Holy Spirit do? He teaches. He authenticates. He applies the Word, and there I put capital W, the Word of Christ. The Word of God. The Holy Spirit teaches, authenticates, and applies the Word of Christ. The Word of God, i.e. Jesus. The Holy Spirit will speak God's words, Jesus says. He'll speak on God's authority. He will speak what God wants spoken. The Holy Spirit will declare what is to occur. He's going to speak Christ's words. He's going to teach these disciples. He, he, he's going to take what is Christ and declare, speak, proclaim that truth to Christ's disciples and the world. The Holy Spirit, he authenticates God's word, not just to believers, but also to unbelievers. The Holy Spirit will come after Jesus leaves to teach all things and to bring Jesus' to Jesus' disciples' memory all that Jesus said to them. This is why teaching is so very, very important. The Father will send the helper after Jesus leaves, and the helper is going to be ever-present, always present, omnipresent, all over the world as God. The Father sends the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. He's also called the Spirit of Christ. He's going to work according to the Word of Jesus Christ. And here I do want to hammer this away, or rather hammer this into you. The Word of Jesus Christ will be the chief instrument of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that again. The Word of Jesus Christ, the Scriptures, will be the chief instrument of the Holy Spirit. While you're saying that, Terrence, He will authenticate. He will make real. He will make valid. He will make evident. He will establish the reality of God's Word in the world. You don't do it. I don't do it. We preach it. We teach it. We share it. But it is God, the Holy Spirit, who brings it to life. This is why the promises of God are so precious. 
when you are dealing with the, the storms and, and, and the problems of life, the circumstances of life. I don't know what to do with my life. My marriage is over. My children won't act right. I can't get a job. What in the world am I going to do? Depend on God's Word. And the Spirit of the living God will give you life. He will allow you to see when you can't see. He will move the storms of life. That is the Holy Spirit at work for you. The Holy Spirit is the supreme teacher for the disciples of Jesus Christ. He empowers the teaching of the Word of Christ. The Holy Spirit, I heard uh, Sinclair Ferguson say once, He is the energy of God. The Holy Spirit applies. He applies. You know, you, if, you're gonna, if you have a, 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 um, your car is uh, dirty, you wash it, and then you wax it. You apply wax to the cloth, and then you apply it to the car, right? Where the Spirit applies the work of Jesus, the redemptive. He bought us back from sin and Satan. He applies the redemptive reality to your soul. He always works with the Word of God. He always, always, always works with the Word of God. How many of you in here read a horoscope? Raise your hand. You didn't? Good, good, good. I was going to catch you off guard. He does not work through horoscopes. People often say, you know, well, I, the Lord said this to me. Did, is it here? Beware. The Spirit of God always works with and according to the Word of God, who is Jesus Christ. You know, I wish I could, just, I wish I could make this as plain as I can. He, he, he makes real, he applies the word. The word written and the word seated beside the Father in heaven. He applies him to you. Oh, the wonder and the glory and the power and the brilliance of God. Hallelujah. Number three, the Holy Spirit accomplishes the work of conviction. This is the ministry he's doing in the world right now. He convicts the world concerning sin, Jesus says. Remember, Jesus is going away, and the Spirit will keep the ministry going. He convicts the world concerning sin because the world does not believe in Jesus. The Spirit will convince men, women, boys, and girls that they are sinners. It is the Spirit who does that. That they are persistent lawbreakers. And God demands perfection and holiness. The Holy Spirit will expose your rebellious hearts. The Holy Spirit will convince you of the weight, the heaviness, the burden of your sin that you cannot carry. He will convict the world concerning righteousness because Jesus goes to the Father. Therefore, the physical manifestation of righteousness is gone back into heaven. The disciples will no longer see Jesus, but they'll know him through the Spirit. Jesus will be physically removed. He's, he's, he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. Well, what is righteousness? It is what God requires. Righteousness is what God Almighty requires. And it's here in the Word. It's what is right, correct, 
uprightness, justice. I'll tell you this, the word justice and righteousness are synonymous terms. They mean the same thing. You think of righteousness, you think justice. But you don't think justice of the news, you think justice of God. I remember I was down in D.C., uh, this was a number of years ago. My brother was here visiting with me. I still worked at Forest Presbyterian then. And uh, a guy was talking to me about justice and, uh, you know, was going to get involved in this and that. And I said, well, that depends on how you define justice. And he, he was a British uh, 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 um, guy. And he said, I-, I never thought of that before. I said, whoever controls the definitions rules the day. I wanted him to hear that. For the church, righteousness and justice is according to God. Hallelujah. And the Spirit of God leads you in truth and righteousness. The Holy Spirit will convince the world of what God requires. If people reject that now on the day of judgment, they won't. He will expose God's standard as the true standard of what is just and right. He will convict the world concerning judgment Because the ruler of this world is judged. This is important. The devil, the adversary, in in the Hebrew it's Hasatan, the Satan, the adversary, is judged. He is judged right now. He's fighting a losing battle. We don't think like that all the time, but he's fighting a losing battle. The ruler of this world, the devil, is condemned. The ruler of this world order. A new order has come. The Bible is the grand story of creation, fall, redemption, new creation. And we live in the era of redemption. Newness is what the church is about. In the Spirit, through the Spirit. The Spirit of God now renews. This is why I'm not sad about what I hear on the news. Sometimes I get a little, but ultimately I'm not. The Spirit is at work. Do you know that? Number four and the last. Church of the Atonement. This is for you. Number four, Church of the Atonement. The Holy Spirit is with you. He is with you. The reason why we're here this morning is because of the Spirit of God. The third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of Truth. The reason why Atonement continues as a church in Silver Spring, Maryland, is because of the Holy Spirit. The reason why the church has endured since its inception is because of the Holy Spirit. The reason why the Word of God is preached and taught at atonement is because of the Holy Spirit. The reason why atonement has such talented and gifted members is because of the Holy Spirit. Amen? The reason why the cares of the world have not choked out the truth and love of God at atonement is because of the Holy Spirit. And there are people who want to get in the way of that. But the Spirit of the living God will not let it be. The reason why atonement will receive a new senior pastor is why? Because of the Holy Spirit. God's work has to go forward. The reason why atonement will mature and grow in the knowledge of our God and Savior is because of the Holy Spirit. When all of of us have passed from this scene and in this church there's a whole new generation of people, it will be because the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's Let's pray together. 
Oh God, we give glory to the Holy Spirit this day in prayer. Our triune God, thank You. Thank You for providing for Your church, for Your people. Our God, You truly care for us. You want us to stand joyfully and unashamed in worship of Your glorious and Your mighty name. Our God, You want us to know You deeply and daily. Our God, You want us to succeed in discipleship and witness to the name of Jesus Christ. Our God, You want us to depend upon the Holy Spirit to bless, to empower, and to accomplish Your will and Your purpose for Church of the Atonement. May we follow Your Word and Your Spirit with great submission. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.